Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Ian Simmons. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. Okay, today on our show, clocking in at 86 minutes, we're talking about 2017's Mayhem, directed by not Billy Mitchell, a guy named Joe Lynch, who happens to look like Billy Mitchell, if you ask me. Billy Mitchell? King of Kong? Yeah. Oh, fuck. That's a name I haven't uh, heard in a long time. (laughs) Does he kind of look like that guy? He shows up in this movie at one point. Sure. This, and this, but to be fair this is pretty much the only time he has looked like that pretty mm-hmm. much That's yeah not his but, standard look <laughs> but this is also the only time that i've ever seen him so oh okay so to me he looks like billy mitchell until i see him in some other context <laughs> I've, I've got some joe lynch stories but uh yeah he's uh he'd love to hear him does not look like that <laughs> well that's good good let's uh yeah what's your this is definitely not uh ian's first time which is why i picked him for this episode uh it is my first time and and jared's first time seeing this movie so uh ian what's your history with this movie um well i saw it in 2017 when it first came out and i interviewed joe lynch about this movie and it's funny because i run a podcast called kicking the seat and an interview i did with joe lynch and adam green five years before that for a horror comedy tv show they did called holliston was the genesis for the kicking the seat podcast so i had this like hour-long interview with them i'm like what the hell am i gonna i'm not gonna transcribe this so i I figured out well i could just put the audio up on the internet and and voila but um (laughs) yeah i I was a big fan of this movie i'm curious to see how you guys react because it's i haven't watched it in probably the five years or whatever since the last time i saw it and it's very different now watching it uh <laughs> after the events the last couple of years for sure so yeah we'll get into it yeah for <laughs> sure um yeah and uh an oddly uh you know topical subject for the movie too mm-hmm. um yeah uh first experiencing this one it's um it's an extreme one it's one of those extreme movies extreme extreme <laughs> so extreme it's not even rated <laughs> fuck the mpaa right? unrated really? <laughs> right on They're like no i didn't know that uh so 2017 is when this came out this got some arrow weaving in it mm-hmm. uh she's great uh she, you know a lot of people say she's a margot robbie look-alike uh a knockoff i think because we were ta- watching and um Katie said she'd make a great Harley Quinn. It's like the only problem is too many people would be like, is that, is that Mar-? they have to put their hand, their hand <laughs> Honestly, over there as like a visor. Is that Margot Robbie? Because like, well, when you think of the timeline, like Suicide Squad came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. So like Harley Quinn was already out by the time this movie came out. And I'm sure that like, you know, the movie wasn't out before they were shooting this movie necessarily, but there's just something really like, I, like it, it almost, it's, 
tough to say because it's like it, it because of the timeline it and the way that she looks it feels like she's doing a harley quinn thing but like i want to give her more credit than that because like yeah. i i do think she's pretty good in this movie but there's just certain elements of it where i'm just like this uh this feels exactly like harley quinn and i i, I wish there was a little distinction well that, and that's that's one of the unfortunate things about it is because I'll, I'll call him joe um in the in the interview that uh we did for this movie he brought up the 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 comments he'd gotten about the margot robbie harley quinn kind of thing in regards to this performance and we kind of talked about why that's you know unfair but it's not necessarily anything that's intentional because it's not to, to your point dan i don't think anyone was going like we need to get a, a margot robbie harley quinn knockoff for our movie you know who do we got because they were you know in production at different times and no one really knew what the suicide squad movie was going to be I'm, I'm pretty sure when mayhem was being put together uh so yeah it's it's a different kind of thing aesthetically yeah they do look and in fact i was thinking about that watching this movie like yeah there's there's a a big uh likeness there but if you look at the performances and what is actually going on with the story i think surrounding the great the characters themselves uh, worlds apart Mm -hmm. agreed and I think she's more uh, accustomed to this character. I, I I saw her kind of do the same flavor, so to speak, in uh, Guns Akimbo. Have you seen that one, Ian? That was the Daniel Radcliffe one, right? Uh-huh. No, I did not see that. I, I missed that one. It's like a another kind of like Running Man type of gamer situation, but Dan, you know, Daniel Radcliffe has guns like literally like fused to his hands when he wakes up. But Samara Weaving is like his partner in crime in that very much like this uh performance so i think this is like dare i say more her wheelhouse than even margot robbie or they're equal i would say just kind of different projects that they've gravitated into but i think she's awesome uh and and of course we got to talk about steven yoon in this movie who's becoming like such a a great leading man what was the one that came out just a couple years ago minari yes yeah he was he was uh, great in that He's, you know, he's known for The Walking Dead, but he pops up in a bunch of like smaller parts and also bigger parts in less kind of seen movies. I know there's a big Oscar nomination, and everything. But if you ask, you know, did you see Minari? People are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, but uh, he was also in a great movie with Doug Jones called uh, My Name is Jerry, a little indie film back, I think before his Walking Dead days. But yeah, you got uh, a couple of great indie cast people. Here. I, I know, I know we're going to actually talk about mayhem in a minute, but I just want to mention Samara weaving. I, I fell in love with her as an actress watching this movie. And so I was super hyped when ready or not came out mm. and I went to see that movie and I hated it. And I thought that is not a showcase that that is not the big break. This movie should have been the big break to introduce people to Samara weaving. I'm with you on the ready or not uh, stance. I was, I was really disappointed because it yeah. was so hyped. I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, this movie I really enjoyed. I think it's super tight. Um, I think it's great use of voiceover actually keeps, keeps the plot flowing. Um, good, great editing. Just um, I don't really have any like notes I on a technical level. Yeah. My biggest nitpick is just the, look of the movie it's just got that very digital look to it and i i don't know i think if talking about movie, the eye effects or just everything no in just general. the whole movie itself just kind of looks like like a lot of digital you know i mean not that they, any movie is really shot on film anymore but you know like there's just a certain look to a flatness and and just kind of uh 
a slight separation from what my eyes are used to seeing in a movie versus like an indie, like kind of more, like one of our movies, you know, like it kind of like it looks like one of ours in a way. A, a are you budget, about like a level yeah. of polish. It, it looked really just honestly, just everything about the I, I, I don't know, because I don't know what I'm nitpicking right now, like except fair, for yeah. like just a, a flat kind of like cold whiteness to the movie that doesn't like i i don't know i i i wish there was a little bit more warmth to this movie's look like the sit like mm. the you know the camera or whatever the well, let me ask filter. you let me ask you that and at, at some point we should probably synopsize this for anyone who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> but, sure, yeah yeah we will yeah but i i wonder if it, two two things to that and i'm not disagreeing with you i didn't really have that problem with it but i'm trying to figure out what you could be responding to one could be the actual camera they were using i don't remember the name of it but it was like uh, the first time that this camera had been used in a feature film, it had been mostly commercial work, and it was some kind of like a drone, uh, a camera that was inspired by a drone. That's why it got kind of this like floating feeling uh, to the actual visuals mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. The other, as far as the the kind of sterileness or the, the whiteness, as you put it, I wonder how much of that is because it was set in this, you know, <laughs> bloodthirsty corporate like world where there's not very much personality to anything in the environments until the blood gets you know thrown around. I, I do think it comes down to the choice of the camera. Just the, I think the look of this camera, the way that it's shot, just kind of, I don't know. There's, there's something about the, the, like in the same way that I think, I don't know if it was you who we talked about scary movie five with how like the movie itself looks cold and like unwelcoming in a way and well that was uh, a screenplay though then fairness <laughs> yeah yeah anyway i don't know I, I i'm nitpicking something that i probably shouldn't be talking about because i don't really have enough to back it up but, but i mean I, it, it's fair because it's something you're responding to even if you can't articulate what that is it's yeah. still valid because it was some kind of a barrier between you and, and getting immersed in the movie so that, that's right oh no i was immersed i was just saying like the, the only thing i was like i buy like while watching, I was just like, I don't like the way this looks. It's kind of like ugly looking to me. <laughs> like, I like everything I'm seeing. I just wish it was it looked a little different. I wish I had some glasses on that made it look a little different. That's you want all. some you want some Barbara Walters buttery golden filters on it? Would that help? Maybe. Okay. I, you know what? You slap some butter on anything. It's going to get better, right? Like, come on, <laughs> slap it on the lens, too. All right. I don't like where this in. is going. Yeah, let, let's let's get into it before I. I had to look up the uh, camera, at least the rig is a uh, Ronin rig, which That's is what it, D- yeah. DJI. My uh, past guest, Tom Zarnowski, uh, just invested in a DJI Ronin, looking to shoot some projects on that. So it's... Uh, tell him not I've to just, do it. Why yeah, not? Yeah, or just, just tell him I don't I <laughs> Oh, don't because of Jer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just color correct it differently, just yeah. more warmly. That's all. Yeah, and maybe all that's right. it. It just was graded in a weird way. Yeah, it, let's it, get into it. Not that you it. really grade, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so this is the story about Derek Cho, played by Stephen Yoon, and uh, it opens with a voiceover from him, and it sustains throughout the whole movie, which I appreciate. I don't like it when movies bookend with voiceover, as I'm yeah. sure I mentioned that on this. Um, so he's talking to us, and I, I appreciate this, the economy of storytelling right up front, and I, exposition be damned, whatever. It, he gives us a breakdown of the virus, which I really appreciate. Why ease us into slowly when the movie is about this virus, right? Yeah. Which is, uh, it's the ID7 virus, a.k.a. the red eye virus, 
and that's because uh, as Jared mentioned, it's not necessarily just the the, the effects, but uh, there is a digital effect that might be egregious to some because it looks like it's just a post effect and it happens on one of the eyes of the victim that's afflicted by this virus and it causes them to uh, basically give into their id, right? All of their primal temptations, whether that be sex, whether that be violence, a lot of it is violence, frankly. Predominantly violence, <laughs> like, really like 95% violence. 5% sex or like 4% sex and like 1% of like some chick putting makeup on in a mirror, like in a really weird <laughs> Joker like way in the background. And then there were other ones where it was just uh, a lady spinning around in her office chair, like throwing post-its, you know, I just yeah. more and then like <laughs> sprinkling them on a coworker. Yeah, it was very, she's very just strange. like, if only I could not care in my job. And that's all she wanted to do is just throw <laughs> post-its and that's her bliss. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you guys, how much attention did you pay pay attention with the extras in this movie? Did you uh, like really look at them and you see what they were doing in the background? Well, after a certain point when I was just like, man, this is predominantly violence. I did start to like it was probably about 45 minutes into the movie where I'm just like, there's a lot of violence and I'm not seeing. I mean, I seen a little bit of fucking in here, but like beyond that everybody is just giving into violence. Is there anything else? And then I started paying more attention to the background. And yeah, that's when I saw the Joker chick, like literally like putting on like red makeup <laughs> and she's got like black around her eyes and shit too. I did see, I noticed, I really noticed this kind of took me out of the movie. Um, but there's a scene where Derek is narrating. Um, I think it's where he sets something on fire at a desk, but in the background, you see these two people who are having, you know, doggy sex, essentially and this monologue he's giving goes on for a few minutes and they're just keep going at it and i just <laughs> felt like i don't know it just it seemed very movie like business you know like okay you guys are going to be in the background doing this the entire shot like mm -hmm. there's no variation yeah yeah else don't going on. <laughs> don't change up your position <laughs> right but see that was that guy's that guy's it he's just sick and tired of having to change his positions he's sick and tired of being on the bottom for his girl he's finally like just giving in to taking it from behind or taking her from behind yeah. not it from behind well <laughs> he's not well, the recipient well, here he is uh the delivering yeah, I, I just wondered what was going on with her like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's she what's she going through but uh, yeah, he gives us a breakdown of this virus and uh, what it does to you. And uh, he also gives us a, a breakdown of where he works, which is Towers and Smythe Consulting. It's a firm. <laughs> and they handled uh, perhaps one of the most infamous cases as it relates to the virus, actually. And it's a murder case. A guy named uh, Derek. Derek uh, something or other. Mm -hmm. Or no, that's our main yeah, guy. Derek's I'm main sorry. Guy. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. Yeah. The guy, uh, Nathan, Nate or something. I can't remember. I got to look this up. Yeah, they, they there is his precedence. Name a few times. Yeah, I'll find it's, it. He's the yeah, he's the subject. And basically what he did was he was under the influence of the virus or whatever, infected by it. He uh, murdered somebody else in cold blood. And we see this in the form of like a sort of flashback at the uh, at his company and everybody else getting infected. And we see that that color correction in the eye, but he stabs a guy with a, a pencil several times in the neck and he's just bleeding everywhere. It's very brutal. And uh, cynically, Derek, uh, Stephen Yoon tells us that uh, he got off for it for murder because uh, he because of the virus. And so it's now uh, an unprecedented court case. It's now set precedence in, in America. Yeah, so, and the, the guy's mm -hmm. the, the perpetrator's name is Neville Reed. 
Neville. Thank you. Neville Reed. Yeah. Neville, Neville Reed. Reed. <laughs> so if like if somebody uh let's say in this world is is infected, they go, I oh, don't Neville Reed me, right? You get off from murder and I'll be dead. This is just a little casual example. Yeah. So and that's something that's the boss does bring up, the villain of this movie who should uh so there's our hero, that's Derek. Mm-hmm. But the main villain of this movie is uh, his boss, who's like this uh, sort of uh, Alec Baldwin wannabe. Uh, <laughs> John Towers, played by uh, Stephen Brand. And uh, he's a total D-bag, of course. He's playing the corporate uh, overlord in the, the uh, I forget what they call the Oxford shirt with the, di- I hate those, with the different oh, colored collar and the cuffs. I, <laughs> I, I literally... Those. <laughs> Every time I see one of those shirts, I think about how much you hate those shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I've established like, it enough. It, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like in my memory burned now how much you dislike those shirts the same way that like dad's distaste for blueberries is now burned into my memory based on the reaction <laughs> he had one time. Well. All right. I guess good. I'm glad I and made like, that and, impression. And, and I'm so conscious of it that I will never put on one of those shirts because I'm like, Dan would fucking kill me if he ever saw me wearing this shirt. <laughs> I would literally kill he you. He would literally he would he would the, he would blame the red eye virus, but it would yeah. be it would just and then be Neville him. read you. I'd never yeah, read I'd you. I'd get Neville read it. I have a question for you guys though, and that is uh I wouldn't wear the shirt either, no. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think of the, and I know I, I recently ranted about this uh, on social media, but what do you guys think of the people who personify their cars and make the headlights eyes and like they put like scar decals? Do you ever see those or like eyelashes on the headlights? I've seen, I've seen the eyelashes. I don't like that shit. Yeah. <sighs> I, I've never I seen a scar. I, I'm parked like literally face to face now in my lot with a fucking car that looks like it's mad dogging my car with a stupid scar sticker under. And I, I hate it so much that it now I hate any car that does that. <laughs> Understandable. I don't think I pay so little attention to cars because they're literally just like how I get places that I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. But now it's kind of like the shirt and the blueberries thing. I'm sure I'm going to see one of those tomorrow and it's going to drive me fucking crazy. So thank you. How about those, uh, those truck nuts though? Those are great. We all have to agree. Those are just, just really, really high, high quality. Yeah. Comedy, you know, the epitome class act accessorizing. I'm just wondering, like, are they, do they have like really large truck nuts? Cause every time I see them, I feel like sometimes they're disproportionate. I just feel like they're so small compared right? to whatever right. rig they're on. I'm like, this is not conveying the message you think it is. Like, this is a, this is a prepubescent vehicle you're driving here. If right. This is, if these are the nuts that are hanging off of it. And there's no Can hair you... on those nuts either. They need some hair hanging off those nuts. <laughs> like some wiry copper yeah. like hairs. But <laughs> like like but... my penis cannon from the the James Bond boy lesk that I have, where the wires made. You the still penis. have. I yep. do. It's sitting right over there. I'm looking um, at it right now. I'm staring at but... it in the eye. <laughs> can, you, can you the golden eye <laughs> can you yeah. imagine though like nuts that are in proportion of the truck and like they scrape against like the pavement and shoot because they're so big yes <laughs> yeah commit to the awesome. bit i always say yeah. that's right that's great uh this there are there's nothing like that in this movie but there I was are gonna a say do you think that the the boss guy uh john towers do you think he drives a car that has the scar decal is that what you're getting at 
No, I think it has to be like um, kind of like someone who's into extreme sport, like the guys in Harold and Kumar. <laughs> extreme! <laughs> Those guys. This, they, I want to say his car should have like a pipe coming out of the front leading down to the ground so that it looks like he's snorting up the white lines in the road. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> like that would oh. be the best, uh, the most <laughs> accurate <laughs> accessory for a thing. And then, and then the doors have to be a different color than the body of the, the rest of the body of the car. That's a, that's a striking image of a car doing cocaine and it's the lights <laughs> on the road. <laughs> somebody uh, internet, uh, somebody draw up that political cartoon for me. Yeah. Sure. And then and you've, you've got a cartoon show, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> if you want me to, I will. Sure. Sure. All right. So Derek, he gives us the breakdown of where he works and everything. There's uh, middle management also, and that's the siren. That's uh, yeah. She's uh, a Carol, real right. Yeah. She's yes. She's a real jerk, and she's the the reason Just she's called the siren. Such mm-hmm. a such a perfect. I hate this woman. She's oh like, yeah. So like so perfectly played. Like there's nothing about me that likes this. This if I see her in another movie, I'm gonna be like, oh, she made me mad in that other movie. <laughs> and well, it's. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I think it's amazing just how caught up and and realistically we get caught up in the world of this office and its politics and the shitty shit that goes on. <laughs> like yeah. that would I would totally buy at a, another company like this, you know? Well, what's interesting, I think, and we kind of get this in the um, not the very opening monologue, but because they set up the ID7 virus. But then Derek starts talking about how he got this job at Towers and Smythe, and he was the fresh-faced, you know, ambitious kid who wanted to go change the world through law or whatever, or just make money. And we get that great shot of him getting on the elevator his first day. He's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. The doors closed, the doors open. He's like, and fast forward a few years later, and I'm, you know, I, I hate my life and all this other stuff. And the door opens, people pour out, and he's just like shrunken and disheveled. He looks pale, like a zombie version of himself. And then he talks about, but then I got to climbing the corporate ladder because the money was great. And then they cut to the classic kind of American psycho shot of him like strutting through the building with the dark sunglasses and the and the air, the ear pods in his suit. The, the point I'm getting at is he runs into a lot of monsters in the middle management and the upper management, even people on his own floor. But he is one of those monsters. He's it, become so cold and you know numb to the the human suffering that his firm is inflicting on people that he's he knows how to play the game because he's one of those monsters himself. It's not like oh, it's not like a devil's advocate thing where it's like oh, I'm just this innocent do-gooder gets caught up in the devil's law firm. Uh, he's he has to like fight to regain his humanity throughout this entire film. Yeah, I, I did notice that like right away. I was just like, oh, they're going to like you're going to have to work for me to actually like like this character because he's like immediately like just as douchey as the rest of them. But yeah. then like, you know, like all it takes is somebody being that much douchier where you're just like, I'm on this douchebag side. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all for me, honestly, the first mystery of this movie that I got caught up in was what happened to his mug? that seems to be right. uh, MIA right now. Like, and I, in my brain, 
it was like i i'm sorry but i cannot continue with this plot until i figure out where his mug is and if it's <laughs> and if it's at the end of this movie i'm gonna be really upset and what we find out is it's beautifully connected to the siren and the reason she's called the siren is she's uh in the in the in the, in the boss bosses is here all the time bring sweet nothings and influencing his decision whoa <laughs> you just you got real jittery there for a minute i did yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You it's okay because we were talking about the siren and it sounded like a weird like alarm was going on. Oh, oh my my no my microphone did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not you, I thought not I you physically a, did. Not you as a human being. No, oh, you're, you're can you hear me now. okay now? Oh, you're yeah, totally you're fine. fine. It was just yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, she's called the siren because she's always influencing uh, Towers' decisions, and she's whispering in his ear, "Sweet nothings, perhaps." It's it's implied that maybe she's fucking him, but she also says she doesn't need to to get where she is. She's just that good. And and when they're establishing this, I don't know if this is the. It's not the first time because I think we get a painting of the actual uh, ID seven virus molecule or whatever. But there, one of the nice touches is that Derek is an artist who kind of turned his back on his creative ambitions to do this law thing. And so when he's introducing us to these kind of C-suite douchebags, we get these little painting interstitials. So when he's talking about, yeah, the siren is always whispering in the boss's ear, we get a picture of the boss, like half of his face and the other half is obscured in shadow and she's whispering into his ear and her tongue is like a snake's tongue. Just really nice little details like that. I thank you for pointing that out as we gloss over this plot because the movie is just so well edited and I kind of I just watched it so it's kind of a blur but and it's quick because it's such a tight 86 minutes but uh, he's a painter and we do these little inner cuts that just kind of solidify his point of how he sees these people it's it's literally how he sees them in his art and and also it's just another layer of his character to be an artist Uh, I wouldn't even say it's a cliche really like the painter character who's like hasn't painted in a while that's fine with me still anytime i see somebody painting like a human mm-hmm. I, i'm always just like i don't know how your brain like gets around it like you just you just put a blob of paint and then somehow yeah. that becomes a face at some point like a <laughs> like a pencil i can wrap my brain around like a pen and paper you know but like know. fucking painting is is mind-blowing so when well, i see somebody like no here's how you make a face with shape and i'm like what the fuck how did that happen well, the, the, the dirty little secret is usually those paintings start off with pencil drawings. So, yeah, yeah, they, they lay out, they lay out but, first. Not, but not everyone is Bob Ross. I'm just saying that. I was going to say yeah. we, we want me and Katie because we're something of artists. She especially likes to paint. We watch Bob Ross's and I know that what I found out is he does a practice before. So there was always two um, that helps. But the way he, he like we just watch and just kind of figure out how he works. That's that's how we watch Bob Ross, like very analytically. And he's yeah. just he's just incredible what he does. He just makes it look so effortless. Well, the um, other thing about the painting, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but, you know, we've got the voiceover narration. So the plot of the movie involves this virus that causes people to go crazy because Derek is talking about this. He's narrating it almost as in a past tense sort of way we kind of get the feeling, okay, he's going to be fine, or at least he's going to survive. They reinforce this later on through one of the paintings when he and Samara come across that they're about to get into a fight with a gang of people on another floor. And we cut to him painting that image. So it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, it's reinforcing the idea that, yeah, somehow this all worked out because he turns out he's actually in a studio in the future recalling these incidents. I just thought it was a nice way to to back up that idea instead of just you know relying on the the voiceover 
I totally agree. Uh, I was going to ask if Joe Lynch uh, cited any influences on this movie to you. Uh, only in, no, actually, I'm sorry. I was going to recount something that was actually on the technical audio commentary that I listened to part of and that involved the, uh, the coffee mug, but, uh, no, we didn't really talk about influences so much as like his, uh, thought process while filming and how he kind of gave into the chaos of the story. He said, this is the first movie that he went into where he didn't have everything meticulously planned out to the nines. Um, and that really set him up for freedom and getting a lot of creativity done in a really tight schedule. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating conversation. I'll, I'll uh, send it to you at some point, but, um, but I want to sure. talk will, about the, we will link it in the show notes as well. Oh, cool. Well, um, the coffee cup before I forget. Yeah. I, you know, cause in the commentary, he mentioned that it was based on loosely on, uh, or the, the outfit that the secretary is wearing Kara's secretary who becomes kind of important later on the siren secretary. She's wearing a black and gold kind of office dress that was loosely inspired by Bruce Lee's outfit in Game of Death. I noticed this time watching it, it's the same colors as the coffee mug. Interesting. I don't know if that means anything or what, but I'm like, there's some kind of a tie there. Yeah. I didn't notice until the very last scene when the twist happens. I was like, why is she matching the mug? And then it inevitably uh, breaks. Uh but that we're getting ahead of ourselves. So how does the mug get into Kara's possession? Well, she tells her, her assistant, who we just mentioned, to go get a mug. And so this becomes a to-do because Stephen Yoon just wants respect. It, it's obvious in his office, especially from this woman, Kara. So she calls in the assistant. She says, what'd you do? She says, I grabbed a clean one. It's like, it's a clean one because it's my mug. It's What's yours is yours. What's <laughs> mine is mine. It's the principle here. I really, I love this character. Even if he's got a short fuse before the virus happens, I'm, I get so frustrated when characters don't stand up for themselves in movies, in situations like this. And he, every step of the way, I would argue is, I think what I would do or what I would like to think what I would do, you know? Well, yeah, there's that that uh, yeah. great bit early on with the uh, the secretary who's getting berated by, you know, that whatever he is, is another attorney. And he's just like calling every name in the book and just like putting her down. He kind of pulls the guy aside. He says, hey, man, you got it. Yeah, a second. And he's like, mm -hmm. you don't talk to her again like that. Or I'm going to I think he had photos of the Christmas party where he was going down on someone. He's like, I'm going to send these to your wife if you ever talk to her like that again. So it's it's a he's he is a fascinating character. You're right. Because he's learned to play this game, but he's also used the evil things that he's learned <laughs> in the service of good in a weird way. <laughs> this has this movie has the just the right amount, and and I was gonna say you know right off the bat you're in good hands uh, tonally with this movie. You can go to dark places for sure, but it retains this amount of dark comedy throughout that you just know that Joe Lynch is gonna sustain or the script is gonna sustain throughout. And it does. And that's why you don't get I don't get too uh, freaked out when a pair of scissors goes through Stephen Yoon's hand through a table in one of the scenes, you know, yeah. um, did you guys have any issues? Were there any moments that were just like, ooh, too much? I feel like there was something where I was just like, ah, oh, but I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. We might get to it. We might not. It might have I might be making that up completely because I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm also like it's so hyper violent and like the blood is very red that I'm just like, Oh, this is fine. Like there's, you know, there's nothing to worry about here. You know, it's, and it's strange. It, I, I was going to pick up on or mention something, but then 
thinking about it, I realized two other incidents that sort of fall into the same category. So it's not really unique. And I wonder if this, again, quote unquote, means something. There's so much savagery and violence and bloodshed in this movie. And we see a lot of it in gory detail. But the people that we are spared the most are the people that we hate the most. I was going to say one of the unique things about the siren's death is it's off screen. We mm-hmm. see the body sort of off in the corner after it's over because there's something else going on in the scene that's more important. But we're let, you know, the characters in the room with her are watching this hor- horrible thing happen that we don't see. When the, the big boss man, when he dies at the end, we see his body falling. Again, we're getting like way ahead and into spoilers and stuff, but we don't see the big like payoff impact. There's also that other executive lady who dies horribly uh, a little bit before that. Um, it's, Again, I just picked up on the fact that the people you really want to see get horribly murdered, you don't. Oh, yeah. No, I wanted to see the siren get slashed, but no, I didn't get to see any of that. (laughs) And you're right. Now that you mention it, I am upset about it. I didn't think about it until now. (laughs) One star. No. Uh, (laughs) Fuck this movie. No, it's great. Screw you, Billy Mitchell. There's there's one other thing going on in this plot, and it's more important than the mug, if you can believe it. That is the uh, there's a certain account. There's a company called Vandecorp that's uh, he, he basically it's it's a bomb, as as the bosses put it, uh, so to speak. And it's about to go off no matter what. The And somebody needs to throw themselves on it. And Kara has basically volunteered against his will, Derek, through some creative uh, file keeping uh, online in the directories about how he was assigned the file a while ago and how he didn't keep up on it and now it's his blunder and he's gonna get fired for it so he snaps understandably and this is keep in mind before the virus even hits this place which i love we're 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 really getting to know these people and we're getting to know the conflict so when it does inevitably hit and people the bodies start hitting it's just going to be so much sweeter when they confront them it's like by the time the the virus starts to spread we're like all right good yeah now you can go kill that person i want to see you go, (laughs) go ahead kill that bitch yeah the the only other situation I could see I, I see in movies like this is like The Purge, where it's at night and day, like, hey, at 10 p.m., we're all going to change our ways uh, for the worse. Uh, and it's so but this one, it's a virus. It, it's a bit it's a lot like the Kingsman sequence in the church, uh, but with more fucking guys. <laughs> well, you know, what's weird is this was also I'm not going to call it the victim of because I think there were two different like release strategies. But it was kind of like the dueling asteroid movies like Deep Impact and Armageddon. This movie came out around the same time, 2017, as a movie called The Belko Experiment, yes. which also dealt with a closed office environment. I don't know if it was a virus or whatever, but it was a hyper bloody movie. I remember liking both of the films, even though they are very much similar. I, th- I think they tackled the, the material a little bit differently. But yes, yeah, this is an odd one. But uh, yeah, The Purge, I think, is a is pretty good example mostly because there's that time clock which at towards the very end it's like the virus has an eight hour roughly lifespan so if you can survive that eight hours it will get out of your system you're going to need therapy for the rest of your life but you're not going to have the urge to kill people now if you want to kill someone the converse of that is you have eight hours in which to do it otherwise you're on shaky legal ground right another way of looking at that clock in this in this movie is they have eight hours to get away with murder and that's a big part of steven like uh 
part of Steven Yoon's story here is, is uh, getting up to the top level and it becomes a bit, uh, dare I say video game, oh, but no, in a good way. Dude, you do not dare it be it flat okay. out feels video gamey at a certain yeah. point where he's just they like we gotta key get these cards. key codes from this piece anytime <laughs> yeah. you need to retrieve key cards from multiple locations mm-hmm. you're in a video game mm-hmm. now i'm gonna i want to step outside for a second and just mention because mm-hmm. i thought about that too there was a movie from last year called boss level i think it's on yes. hulu with frank grillo have you seen this i haven't yet the joe carnahan one yes watch mm-hmm. it because okay. much like this movie, it is inspired by video games in that this character has it's like Groundhog Day for various other reasons. But this guy has a bunch of assassins after him and stuff. He's got to figure out a way to get to the top person. And the way he figures out the, the key to his getting out of his Groundhog Dayness is his son is a big video game nut. And so they kind of apply the rules of video games <laughs> and leveling up and all I this stuff it. to you know, that's, real life. I love it. That's clever. I like that. Yeah. And, and I'm not it, even opposed to yeah. the video game aspect of this. I honestly was watching it and I was just like, oh, if this was ever a video game, they did a really good job adapting it because <laughs> yes. that's how it felt. Was once we got to key cards, I was oh like, my was God. this a video game? Dude, I would I would love it if this was a video game. I was thinking that when I was like, is this a video game? <laughs> like if it was an actual video game. But uh, yeah, um, the Velcro experiment. I did think about that one as well. I guess I, who knows, arguably, who won that war? James Gunn, because he wrote it with the Velcro. But like, I they're both kind of came and went, you know? Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Uh, but I will watch. Well, boss hey, level. this one yeah. wins for being under 90 minutes and we can talk about it. Yes. Yeah. One one more thing I wanted to say yeah. is I love when a, a movie is contained location wise. Is boss level like that or is it just kind of? No, it's um, it's got more of an open city. They're going all different kinds of places. Yeah. OK, that's, for, you know, uh, experiment also under 90 minutes. So. Oh, is it? Oh, hey, OK, then. Hey, just, uh, <laughs> hey, new, new movie added to the list. Hey, <laughs> so it, they both win. <laughs> so ian did joe lynch explicitly say anything about video games no okay no. i i i, I have <laughs> no, to think again, that we, he was we only inspired ta- yeah we only talked for like 20 minutes and again it was mostly like about his experience of making the movie the whole thing was made in serbia um and and the reason he shows up as the it guy is because he ran out of english-speaking serbians that he could <laughs> that he could pull oh. in and money at the same time so it was like fuck it i guess i'm gonna be the guy i mean i, I, I liked his great I, I thought it was it was an entertaining role and yeah. honestly was just like oh is this the kind of guy who does this all the time where he's like always has a nice poppy role in his own movie for like a couple minutes and then gets out of there it'd be nice I've not seen Maybe. a lot of Joe Lynch. Well, he hasn't done a whole bunch. I think I've seen two plus his Holliston sitcom, but he made a sequel to Wrong Turn and it was great. Wrong Turn 2. Look it up. <laughs> I've seen, I remember seeing it. I've there heard him talk about that movie more than I've seen a screen time of it, which is zero minutes. It's funny, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is, he, he is a big proponent of daytime horror and I certainly am as well. So I think that's great. I thought you meant like soap opera horror when you <laughs> say daytime. Like, what is that? Like, uh, like horror like during dark the day, shadows. like Texas Chainsaw. Uh, you know, no, yeah. not a lot of evening stuff. Right. Um, so yes. Yeah, so basically, Stephen Yoon has a bone to pick with uh, the boss and 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 Kara and and everybody because he gets his ass booted. It actually happens after he pleads his case 
to Alec Baldwin Towers <laughs> at his desk. And, and, you know, of course, she's the siren. She's got influence. So even though he tells the truth and he's, a you know, he's totally on, honest about it, he still gets the boot and he still gets pissed. And that understandably wants to even still plead his case to the nine, which is another uh, there's another level above uh, Alec Baldwin, and that's this board of directors that uh, that they everything uh, goes through them, every decision. So and this is he needs to get to them. Well, and this is I can't remember where the scene was, but it was a scene with the nine at the boardroom and they're voting and they talk about how they I think this is Derek narrating it because they were all voting and they weren't doing the thumbs up. They were doing the thumb across all gladiator style. Yeah, I knew that like that was neck, yeah. right. I didn't know that it was the slash across the neck. I don't know if that was explained. I only saw gladiator once, you know, 22 years ago, or whatever, but I never heard the explanation for why it was the sideways thumb. And I thought this mm. is the perfect movie to have that explained to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just watched a uh, gladiator director's cut like a week ago. And I've Did never take you all week. Of... I mean, <laughs> I've never been that big of a fan of it. It's shot. Some of the scenes are shot gorgeously. And like, it's cool to see a tiger, like just act and maul <laughs> performers. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's pretty. And Joaquin Phoenix is wild in that movie, but that's it for me. Like it'll be another like seven years before I watch, hopefully before I watch Gladiator again. Uh, I prefer anyway. the uh, the adult version. Glad he ate her. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so Samara Weaving, she plays Melanie Cross, and before all the shit goes down, she is a client that uh, is getting kicked out of her house. So she's trying to plead her case. Also, oddly enough, she needs more time on this loan. And uh, Stephen Yun, Yun, I'm sorry, Yoon. I want to say yen. It's Yoon. Yoon. He, uh, it's even Yoon. He says, no, I'm sorry. And like he gives the same bullshit explanation, which is it's out of my hands. It's over my head. Basically, I there's nothing I can do about it. It's very cold. And she understandably hates him. She gets escorted out. We don't really know what happens with her, but you, you can expect to see her again. Well, um, there's there's a, a detail that I, I really liked is that he had an appoint. Derek had an appointment with her. He thought that she was a lawyer for a client. That's right. She's all dressed up in a suit and everything. She's prevent, presenting herself very in a corporate manner. Uh, but I can't remember what the line was, but she let something slip or she mis, uh, misidentified. She didn't know what a, uh, lien, a temporary lien, lien was. On something the like that. Yeah. Right. And he's like, you know, okay, who are you? <laughs> and she's like, I, it's my house, whatever. Um, but she still when she gets caught she doesn't you know freak out or panic or anything she's like yeah i lied to get in here and i'm here to you know try and save my house and it just doesn't work out for her now he's getting escorted out of the building just as the because because all that kind of you know corporate intrigue happens right after that mm -hmm. and all of a sudden everything kind of goes on on lockdown um so he doesn't quite make it out i love i've never quite seen this in real life but in movies, whenever someone gets let go, they always have the same cardboard box. Did he have a yeah. plant? I didn't see if he had a plant, but it's like everyone in movies, when they go grocery shopping, they always have to have the French well, baguette sticking out of their bag. 
Everyone's you got know, to have a plant. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have some experience ordering supplies for my job and Uline actually does sell a, this is the box that's going to, uh, you're firing somebody with. No, it's, no, I'm kidding. It's oh, I was <laughs> the firing <laughs> box. <laughs> yeah. It, it's specific. It's, it's, it's the termination tackle box and, uh, you mm-hmm. it's, it's that cardboard with no lid and, uh, yeah. Price at, breaks at you know when in bulk, so fire a lot of people. You know, the more people you can fire, the better deal you'll get on those boxes. Well, you know, mm-hmm. that sounds like a detail you could put into some kind of a movie, like a comedy about corporate espionage. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I got, oh, yeah. I got asked to order the boxes. You know, something's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it would be a nice touch. Uh, there's two characters we want to. I want to also mention, and that is the Reaper, who's going to show up and actually pull the trigger. He's the guy with the cane who's, who looks like Mike Verbiglia very yeah, much. Very I was going to say he looked like a cross between Mike Verbiglia, Verbiglia and uh, John Ritter from Three's Company. Yeah, Interesting. yeah, I see a little a little Ritter. I see a little more Jason Ritter. In him and then Verbiglia. you've got this guy, the bull, who looks like he's picked straight out of uh, Die Hard 2. Yes. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. Um, he's this big, hulking, toe-headed, long-haired, uh, slight accented uh, gentleman who does the enforcing and the beating up in the tower. Basically, like, uh, apparently this place is like a casino in that a lot of people <laughs> need to get their fucking asses kicked in the basement yeah. in this like, company. So he does that. And he has brass knuckles, which he likes to, that's his preferred weapon. So keep that in mind. And uh, all the all the pawns are in place before. And yes, now the building very suddenly experiences a lockdown period of eight hours. And so they're going to get locked inside. Uh, there's a team that shows up. Um, you know, they all got their their radiation, their suits on and their uh, their masks. And they, they pipe in with uh, towers via television set. And uh, they, they basically just tell them what, what's going on. And that's um, like, don't they fucking frustrate move. Him. Stay there for eight hours. We don't yeah. give a fuck. We're not helping you. We're keeping people out of your building. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how did you know? And they said, well, after ID7, uh, detecting uh, ID7 detection devices are legally required in public spaces. Uh, Got it. Yeah, that's right. And that's what that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm watching this stuff. I'd forgotten a lot of the particulars of this. And I didn't. I think it's because it breezed right past me in 2017. But in 2022, you know, fresh out of like COVID, there's all this really creepy you know the guy who wrote this uh, uh matthias caruso I, I think he was a seer or something because there's a lot of like <laughs> weird parallels um so the yeah the agents it takes eight hours to get the neutralizing agent into the ventilation system uh and and very suddenly the way it's cut and everything just very intensely uh derek uh you see that he becomes infected his uh and and even i love that mid voiceover he becomes in fact infected <laughs> and he's seen Smith's voiceover during the change. He hulks out a bit and uh, but not bef- like before he gets his ass kicked a little bit by the guy from earlier whose uh, video of the blowing uh, that he showed because he was yelling at the secretary. So he's got beef with him. That's the first fight right there. That's 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 your that's your 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 practice boss coming back. And yes. now he's like, OK, now he's really a part of it. Now you really got to take him down for good. Big Apple, 3 a.m. Yep, exactly. And, uh, this is his first. He's Baxter Stockman. 
he uh <laughs> he ends up how does he he's, he's that he, first time you fight zaz before you come back and have to take zaz down again the second time <laughs> uh, arkham yes uh, what, what how i've does only played Yoon... like four video games come on yeah <laughs> how does Yoon handle uh the uh, baxter stockman slash victor zaz my God, I've forgotten. It's so early on and there's so much carnage that I don't recall the, the particular. I think it's I don't remember because they're walking you through it the whole time, you know, so it's like I'm not even really paying. I'm just getting the mechanics down. You're getting the this, prompts and the yeah. controls. Which down. button but do I press? We need to we need to mention his friend that uh, Ewan oh, from yeah. earlier who he, who he visits and he tries to get some consoling from. But he's like, dude, you're fucked because this goes to the top and you've already went upstairs and you flew off the handle, didn't you? So you're you're fucked. I'm sorry, dude. Like, take it like a man. And by the way, I hate it here. So, like, you're better off. He's, he's a pretty good friend. And uh, he comes in to help him in the lobby once uh, the guy from earlier starts kicking his ass. Well, it's weird because when he goes to visit this guy, this is, I think, before we meet, we've met the Reaper. Um, mm-hmm. Because I thought that Ewan was the guy from HR. <laughs> because he's kind of talking to him in a consoling manner. And then he's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's you know you don't want to jump the gun and go up you know take this upstairs and he's like I already took it upstairs and I'm like oh shit so it's like almost trying to help him strategize his way out of it I thought he was you know some kind of like a like a human resources counselor or something but turns out no because this place would not employ someone like that for HR they would employ the Reaper <laughs> um a little I guess a little more about the Reaper is he does do the firing and he kind of relishes in it and he's not being fair at all he's not listening to steven yoon's case he doesn't care he just says sign the paper so we can make you rich he's we there to severance expedite a transaction he's not there to listen yes. to anybody yeah and he's just he, he you could tell he likes he kind of likes what he does is cutting off heads you know he's just a mean he's a meanie well that's the thing is i i didn't get that impression until later in the film um when i see him and maybe it's because i've known different types of hr people sometimes they're very you know cheery and all that stuff until they have to swing the axe and sometimes they're just kind of cold because they know especially if they've had a lot of experience at big companies that these days are going to come and you can't get attached to (laughs) to people it's all about like sign the papers this is how we're going to do it and just go for it uh yeah he was he was almost like lizard like uh, i think until later on when it became clear that you know he was kind of conniving well, and, and really out for himself it, it it's a uh, it's super dialed down and then of course the <laughs> virus brings that out that that how he uh that that evil that he relishes in he starts he kicks samara weaving while she's down to like that's unnecessary he's like so he's one of the early bosses quote unquote he's yeah. literally on one of the lower levels and they have to get to kara's level for that that other level access card that gets them to towers at the top where him and the nine are that's the plot of this movie basically it's either kill them wow. or maybe get them to, to understand his case you could make this into a modern like video game with a campaign or you could just simplify it down to a 16-bit beat-em-up man like this this <laughs> sure. movie really yeah. this movie really yeah. could work in both ways i would love to play it either way um because I, I just love the, the setting like there's not enough um video games grounded in reality if you ask me there's just a lot of space stuff or like other world stuff i just uh or the whole I world is dead and there's one guy left with a gun <laughs> right, well I, a lot I, of that stuff i don't know i mean given the kind of current climate i don't know how good that like a more realistic first person shooter 
<laughs> um, naming people thing is going to go over. I guess. I mean, maybe give it a few years, but I mean, not necessarily even shooting. There's a lot. There's just games that's a, that are simply walking simulators that are pretty amazing out there. Like third person <laughs> walking. Like and it's refreshing to, to play that compared to like horizon forbidden west it's just like i'm tired of giant mechanized creatures that you have to take down in a series of uh button timed quick time events yeah and it's just come on it's a walking simulator is that like video game asmr what is that it's a bit like that in that like it's for people who just like don't necessarily want to kill people in games or even necessarily learn to fly in a simulator it's just maybe they just want to explore a beautifully made environment by uh developers who know that you want to do that you know so there's a game called lake that's just an example of one of many where you uh take a postal route and you get to know the people uh, a little bit and uh, but basically the, the plot of the game is to deliver mail so I, like, at that point i just like get, why don't you just do that as a job i was get paid for it. I was just, there's such a thin line i know like i play this game where i'm a i cook uh wings like uh, like Buffalo Wild, it's a one of the Papa's games, the Flash games from like sure. X amount of time ago, and like yeah, it's like why don't you work at Buffalo Wild Wings? Why would I want to work at Buffalo Wild? I just want a little taste, you know, just a little taste. I get it. I just taste. like when I hear stuff like that. I'm like, you could just you know go outside for a walk. Um, no, I, I like, why why go on vacation when you could stay home and do drugs? That's why I say to a lot of my friends actually. I mean that's sound advice, but it's a little different. <laughs> that explains a lot, really. Like, why? Like, don't go to the lake this weekend, and don't you can stay inside and play lake and do drugs, you know? Yeah, to and still get murdered by someone in a hockey mask. Um, why? Because you're doing drugs? No, you have to have promiscuous sex. That's the that's the real kicker there. Oh, and you. But I'm a virgin also, so I would mm. survive. Yeah. Okay. Or are the rules out the window? Because of because uh, a scream scream I five know. I changed have, everything, just, you guys. Did, did they set a new set of rules for the, the world? Jer, scream five changed everything in the in the name of horror. I I know it changed everything for Nev Campbell in, in it, her participation. It in made the kills <laughs> so much more interesting in that all you have to do is run into the blade, <laughs> and that's how you die. So it's pretty great. Scream Scream 5 changed my stance on feeling the need to watch every movie in a franchise because I'm not yes. watching Scream 6. I, I'm with you. I, I really did not like Scream 5. I hated it. And, and yes, there's, I think, spoilers, there's two kills in the movie where somebody literally runs into the blade. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't me. Uh... <laughs> awesome. Master of horror, Wes Craven would be proud of. The his, <laughs> yeah, his you guys are really, really imaginative. Really, just wow, chef's kiss. Really, so this is great. Oh, so, so, so let me get this. He, he runs into the blade. That's. Okay. Mm. Uh, I would have ran away from it, but hey. That's, that's, <laughs> hey. Uh, I guess kids do things differently these days. <laughs> so, where are we in the story? He so he teams up with Samara Weaving, a.k.a. Melanie, in the basement once the bull starts beating the shit out of him. Why? Because he wants to go back up the elevator and talk to the nine. And Alec Baldwin, a.k.a. Towers, says, uh, in a world post, what is it, Neville, Neville Longbottom? 
<laughs> in a Neville Longbottom world, I'm not going to let you come up here. You got, dude, I'll see you at eight hours. And he's like, oof, ooh, this really burns me. But the elevator sends him right back down to the basement where the bull is waiting for him. And uh, he gets his ass beat. But then the friend shows back up again, uh, Ewan. And that's when Ewan takes a nail to the back of the head, mm-hmm. like accidentally at the hands of the bull. Like, yeah. He and just kind of punches him. He falls scream back into five a board. Style. He just <laughs> yeah, he scream fives. It's perfect. Yeah, he gets scream fived all over them. Yeah, his what? head gets scream fived. I'm sorry. No, it's just it's so sad too because I I for the five minutes he was on screen I I liked his character. I yeah. did too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's he reminded there's me. And, mm-hmm. He reminded me of a Rick Overton presence in this. Yes, movie. very good. Yes. yes. Right. Uh, and I also and, want to know more about him because even more so than Derek, he just seemed like a good guy. Maybe he was like squirreled away like, uh, you know, Milton or whatever, an office space, just like so removed from everything else that he hadn't been corrupted by because he seemed like a genuinely good person. I'm like, what the hell are you doing yeah. working there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch over Steven or uh, uh, Derek. That's all <laughs> his job has become is just watching over Derek. So... And what ends up happening is uh, Ewan gets killed by mistake. And and on the phone, uh, Towers hears this. He's he relishes because he's he's infected. Everybody's infected at this point. And uh, he's telling him to break his his pinky. And he's like, I want to hear you break uh, Derek's <laughs> bone. And uh, it's sick. And that's, of course, when Ewan comes in and intervenes. And uh, Derek gets knocked out again. He wakes up in an empty office. There's Mel. I, I was really hoping because because like the ticking time bomb in this movie is kind of like useless like it really like it it contains the story to a period of time but it's not like he you know until it's like eight hours six hours and then all of a sudden like 25 minutes and we're like what like you know it's like down to a minute 44 yeah yeah like it it jumps way down there um Mm -hmm. what was the point i was going to make about this though uh it's it's useless what i what i was really what i was really hoping would happen was that like when he wakes up from being knocked out like that's Mm -hmm. when we are down to like oh you got an hour now so like he's in like high gear like oh shit like i really got to get up to the top quickly i like that but no it's it's you know he's got six hours he's he's got he's got several hours left my thing also is and i know i'm being nitpicky but like would a judge just kind of cock his head to the side re-examine the case if they if the murder took place within the last 10 seconds of this eight hour period right? like when it's like supposed to be like completely out of your system anyway pretty mm-hmm. much well that's know. that's the other thing like if there was a mayhem two or something there's a lot to explore here because yeah it's eight hours but i'm sure that's probably like the cdc based that on like the average case is eight hours because as we just saw with COVID, sometimes mm-hmm. it kills you, you know, straight away. And sometimes you don't even know you've got it until like six months later and you take a test like, oh, you had this six months ago. <laughs> like, really? Right, yeah. I barely had the sniffles. So mm-hmm. you're, you're right. They would probably look at this and say, yeah, it was eight hours, but your physiology indicates that you would not have, you, know, you were, pro- you were probably fine by hour four and a half. Right. So you can't get away with, with this. The- yeah, would the judge like be like, hmm? But no, what we inevitably find out in the end is that they use it as sort of a blanket case to speed up a vaccine. So he's like, you're welcome for that, too, for killing my boss. It's It's got that edge of cynicism, even down to the last minute of this movie, um, which I, I dig. Um, so he's teaming up with Melanie. They fight a little bit. 
downstairs because she's still pissed off that he turned her down about the loan. And uh, eventually, though, he kind of he kind of wins her over because they have a common enemy, which is kind of his bosses, the the people whose hands it was really in um, the fates that they control and everything. So he rigs a phone and he uses like bureaucracy to uh, to best the boss, I think, in this this moment here. Oh, the uh, the conference call with the with the third party company. Yeah. What mm-hmm. does he do here? He essentially gets the CEO of what was the name of that company? The the big case you mentioned. Oh uh, yes, it was uh, Vandercorp. Yeah, he gets the CEO of Vandercorp on the phone uh, and said, you know, basically told the CEO everything about this, you know, corrupt case and how Tower Smythe was was screwing him over and and screwing over the company. And then he gets the C- the CEO says, well, I want to talk to the nine. And then they gets this like three-way conference call in and they patch Derek in. And the CEO basically rips up the contract, which is worth however many millions of dollars. Um, I do. One of the details I loved about uh, the, the tower character, the you know, Alec Baldwin light and whatever mm-hmm. uh, early on, when they're talking about the impact of shutting down the building, he's like, do you have any idea? what the billable hours that we're losing of eight hours times 287 people at $300 an hour or whatever. It's like, that's half a million dollars or whatever. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this guy knows his stuff. Plus he's running this absolute factory. So at one point they're talking about putting out a bounty on Derek's head. And he's like, call down to accounting. I want $150,000 bounty. One of the other execs says, you're talking about murder here, sir. That's at least 400. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. And uh, that's something I don't think. So what explored. he saves a hundred grand by like in the process, like just. Yeah. Well, if he pays 400, uh, if he actually does it, but yeah, that's something I don't, I don't feel was explored enough in this movie was the, uh, the sort of everybody's out for his head because of the bounty thing. Uh, it's, it just all happens so quickly. They get to Reaper, they get to Kara, they get to the final guy. No well, time also- for these other people. Well, they, they kind of mention it. I don't know if they actually got that message down there because other things kind of seep into the plot. And even if they did put out a bounty, I feel Why like... Why would they mention it without doing it in the movie then? Well, it could have been something that got interrupted. I'd have to go back and watch the scene again because you're right, nothing ever comes of it, which is why I feel like that was put in there almost as a gag. Um, mm. But the other thing is, feasibly, if you've got all these people in this crazy, unreasoning id state... Even if they heard this message, there's no guarantee that they would, you know, have the wherewithal to act on it. They're like, I'm too busy stapling my, you know, direct manager's head to this table, or I'm too busy, you know, having sex with three secretaries. You know, I'm, I don't care about. I money. am going to be doggy styling this girl for 48 None minutes you guys... straight without stopping. <laughs> well, if they right. did, the message did get across, and then someone said, "Kill this guy for X amount of money," you know, yeah. maybe it's. I, I don't know. It's. It's. The virus also is, I'll say it's inconsistent, but that's not a criticism, but you can see that it affects people in different ways. I mean, look at Derek and um, Melanie, right? Um, Is that, I'm totally blanking on her character's Mm -hmm. name, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, they have moments of intermittent rage, 
They also have moments where they're just like hanging out, talking about the Dave Matthews band. They have another moment where they have sex and they really seem to enjoy it. They're talking about like moving in together. So granted, this is at various stages of the virus. So it's probably working its way out of their system, but they're not like a lot of the other people we see in the background who are just completely out of control. Um, so yeah, I don't know exactly how this is supposed to work on, on everybody. Some people just get real sick. <laughs> mm. uh okay real sick so what happens next they go to they get out of the basement they go to visit the reaper and uh they kill him and they get his card right the reaper yeah they fucking i don't fucking this video game level after level well they, they yeah they get even. to his office and there's some obstacles because there's like he comes through the door oh man this is going to sound really bad, but there are so many scenes where all this crazy stuff happens and they're all in the same vague kind of like office space that it's hard to remember uh, which ambush happened during which you know, particular scene. Because mm -hmm. as much as they are trying to uh, go after these certain targets, other people are getting in the way, whether or not they're summoned by these kinds of bosses, uh, as with oh, yeah. uh, you know, the siren and that gang that she kind of assembles later on. Or if it's just like the random uh, security people with the tasers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Melanie gets completely tased uh, horribly, I think. <laughs> Somehow yeah. we think when she's down the ground, like twitching, I had forgotten that she does not die in that moment. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, she uh, when they're gearing up earlier, you know, to to make their way uh, to level two, you know, once they've uh, they're gathering all of their equipment and, uh, you know, attributing their power, assigning their powers to whichever levels they want for their <laughs> RPG character. Um, she grabs like a little circular saw for for uh, drastic measures or whatever. And that's what's happening now is that like the Reaper is kind of like beating the shit out of her and like got her mm -hmm. to a point and then she takes the saw to him and fucking that's when you get a good a good murder but not to the people that you you know not to she, she you know she ain't the siren or he ain't the siren he's just the reaper well that's right. actually that's i did take a note of this um in the fight where there's a struggle in the office between i think between derek and, and the reaper we do catch a number of co-workers kind of leaning into the office door and they're all placing bets on who's gonna yeah. win yeah they're all like so they, and like throwing so lots. they so they are money driven so if the boss did make that announcement about the bounty it stands to reason that they probably would have all gathered to kill derek for it to collect on that bounty maybe i don't know i, I don't think know so. it's, because that that bit where they're all in the room that seemed more like a gag that didn't seem particularly right. story driven it's like hey wouldn't it be funny if people were like placing bets on this um so yeah you're right however it is part of the story but I didn't read it as like integral to anything else. I guess I don't like it when movies is like, hey, here's here's the head of an idea poking out, but oh, it's going to go back underground and you're not going to see it again. That That's what happened with the bounty on Derek's head in this movie. We are done talking about Scream 5, though. <laughs> oh. No. oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, what ends up happening at the end of Scream 5 is, uh, close your ears if you don't want to hear this, uh, the kid from The Boys is one of the killers, and one of the other girls, one of, who's the other killer in that? 
is it that little um the little like one the goth chick or something yeah, yeah. Right, right oh yeah right the goth chick all right so jack quaid and the goth chick are the two killers at the end of scream five and uh it's bad their parlor scene fucking related to billy too is in, in a way that i believe no so sense. or she just wants like the fame and he's like he also like their whole thing their mo isn't it like horror horror has gotten into such a, such a shitty state that we need to reboot it in real life basic like what i well there was also something about like toxic fandoms or something like yes they, they wanted they just wanted to have like current thing as the driving force of the movie, but they didn't actually stop to break down what that meant in the context of, you know, actual conversations that are happening. It was just so bad. It's Wes, just Wes Craven movie. would have been embarrassed to, to have this presented to him. Oh, oh so that's, that's what you're going to do to my franchise. Okay. <laughs> you can tell when I hate a movie really much that I, I ruin it for other people as best I can. Not as much as the uh, filmmakers though. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So we're not done talking about screen five. Now I'm done talking Sorry, about yeah. Scream 5. So, yeah, <laughs> but if they, you guys want to continue, we can. Yeah, we might as well get through this. Uh, All right. Yeah, they level up uh, and they, they get his key card. And so now we get a cut scene. And, uh, fucking... <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the quality is pretty good. It's like way better than the actual gameplay. But like you appreciate it because the visuals are just so great. You know? Yeah, it's it's a striking those cut scenes. I just like watching them. Oh, it's like it's, uh, if it was to just all be cutscenes, you know, I think the mayhem game would work. And I th- arguably this movie is like just a giant cutscene, you guys. So it just <laughs> works out. So they, 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 the card, his card can only get them up, get them up so high in the building, which I always find very amusing. It's like we can get you up to like seven levels down from where you're supposed to be, but yeah, well, it's not the right it's, clearance. It's like when you go to like a fancy hotel and you go up like, oh, there's floors, you know, ground up through 16, but then you get the penthouse. They've right. got like those little, you know, key cards or like sometimes a physical key that you got to put in like, wow. I don't stay at fancy hotels. So I stay at the Motel 6. No, I don't stay. I, I visited some for interviews. <laughs> I'm just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I have seen those and it's like, hmm, classism in a hotel. Interesting. <laughs> um, So... And you know what else they're phasing out is uh, Continental Breakfasts, just like at a lot of places. I guess it's COVID related because like, you know, but uh, uh, less breakfasts. I got a fucking I got a I got a vacation, not a vacation, a work trip coming up at the end of this. Yeah. If if I don't fucking have some kind of a breakfast out there, I'm going to be pissed. What if it's just like bagels and toast? That's what they usually are. But like, I'm talking like <laughs> I specifically stayed at a country inn and sweets so I can have something to eat in the morning. Oh, is that what they're known for? No, you can make a waffle. Oh, shit. Nice. They don't have don't, any syrup, don't, right? Don't stay anywhere else. Get If you can make a waffle, why would you this, go to any other place? This episode is brought to you by the country inn and sweets. <laughs> this, this episode is brought to you by waffles. Uh, they're yes. delicious and uh, batter up. You can so, put them up your butt. They get to uh, Kara's office, and then there's this nonsense like, "I need your key card," and then they're like, "I'm not gonna give you my key card, but like maybe I will give you my key card." And then it's just like, "Let's card, make a key deal." Card, key card, key yeah. card, key card. You see, you have, and it's still like corporate bullshit, which I still like. I'm like, kill her because she's all like, "You see, I have leverage in this situation, and I have to use it as a collateral." It also like, business even words, a, even against the nines and and Alec Baldwin. She wants to, you know, she's still thinking of herself. So she yeah. like, this is the sequence of events kind of is 
confusing a little bit because like she gives her assistant the key card. She's like, hold mm-hmm. on to this for me. Put it somewhere where I don't know where it is. That right. way, when they come in, they're like, give us your fucking key card. She's like, I don't know where it is. And you can't hurt me because now you'll never find out. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, eventually they fucking get the key card from the assistant who has put it through the microwave because the nines and Alec Baldwin called the assistant and they're like, take the fucking key card and destroy it because we know that that siren chick is going to turn her back on us and think for herself. But if she had not thrown her key card to her assistant and was like, hide this for me, she would not have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, cause the nine had also promised the assistant Kara's job. That's right. They Off screen. Her out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, she's like, so they're basically like, look, if she happens to throw you her key card, then you could destroy <laughs> it and we'll give you her job. But if she doesn't give you her key card, then you're fired too. They just like they're they're two steps ahead in the ten steps in this chess game, like upstairs. Like they know Kara is a bitch and is going to turn on them. So like, no, we got to get to her assistant, like ASAP. She's going to do something to us. Yeah. Either uh, either that, or I wonder if there was something missing here. Like once the assistant got the key card, maybe she took that to the nine and said, "Look what Kara just gave me," and they're like, "Oh, well, okay, let's change the deal." That that's kind of implied, but it's not in this you know i don't know if it was cut or yeah it's it's all off off screen and it's just mentioned in dialogue once she does that inevitable turn and 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 i noticed that that mug is the same color as her outfit around this time (laughs) and and kara she whips it against the wall and that kind of that's about to set off steven yoon he's like ready to kill he's like that's my fucking mug he's like easy you want that key card, right? She's <laughs> such a jerk. And uh, so the, the assistant comes in and it's toasted. It's a toasted key card. And she's like, you're a dumb shit. Why the fuck would you do that, assistant of mine, when I told you to hide it? And then assistant says, well, uh, I got a better deal. I'm not working for you anymore. You suck. And she kills her off screen. And Stephen Yoon and uh, Samara Weaving, they're just watching and Samara Weaving does some color commentary on the murder. <laughs> yeah, and she does like a like a fist pump or something. She's like yeah. really excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, because the assistant she grabs this pair of scissors right on the on the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and does, do we see her? I I She's... think I feel like we see her make the stabbing motion. Maybe it goes into the chest or something. But from the horrified expressions on the other people's faces, it looks like she got you know pretty badly mutilated. Um, well, I mean, we see the tongue in like a, the next scene. Oh, yes, like they're yes. holding like her tongue. Like so, her tongue was cut out. Yeah, yeah. And tongues That's are so thing. much wider than you expect when you see them outside <laughs> of the body. Which is, Which is why you should never see them outside of a body. Yeah, <laughs> if you can, if you can avoid it, uh, make sure the tongues are inside the body, or mm-hmm. at least coming from the body. This episode is brought to you by the by tongues. Tongue Society of America. <laughs> tongues and waffles. Waffles and tongues. That's my hotel. Um, Do they have tongue sandwiches there? No, but the lady at the front desk will help you in a jam. That's all I'm saying. Like, but there's no tongue sandwich? Ah, whatever. All right. That place sucks. So, uh, <laughs> see, yeah, Kara gets murdered and they're like, uh, they don't have access upstairs, do they? No. Uh, they have to come up with a new plan. What are they going to go? They're going to go to the King of Kong himself. <laughs> <laughs> new plan, which is uh, something you might do in uh, 
in in one of the hitman video games literally go into the it room and do a little hacking to the person that, that you want to kill's internet so that they're like huh <laughs> and then they uh they're vulnerable. They end up end up calling IT. You can either knock out the IT guy, take his clothes as a disguise, and go up, <laughs> and then kill him in private, which is not a bad way to go. But what ends up happening is they befriend Joe Lynch, who is infected, but is like the only thing that he's amped up about is is not his computer not working when they first walk in, and he's slamming a keyboard or something <laughs> against a, a desk, screaming, which is like. For a lot of normal people, they don't need to be infected for that. They just no. do it. <laughs> That's me. Most of the time, things. Most of the time, the internet is not working. <sighs> um. So he helps them. He does exactly what I say. Basically, doesn't he compromise her network? And then she says, "Okay." And he's like, "I'm going to send you a file." And she gets it, and it's a virus that he can hack into her computer from. <laughs> and it's so easy the way he does it. He gloats a bit. It's like what is, he says. I could have called this like Trojan backdoor rape virus, and she still yeah. <laughs> would have downloaded it into her system. And uh, she does, and that's how they are able to, uh, well, wipe her hard drive or yeah, copy they, it. They, they yeah. copy it, mm-hmm. and then they they copy it. They delete it from her computer, and then mm-hmm. they use that as blackmail. Say, well, if you want it, you got to come downstairs and get it. And she's like, well, right. my hard drive contains basically billions of dollars worth of you know corporate secrets and information and stuff. So it's not something that we can just kind of ignore. I love that when the virus planting situation is going on, she's just like sitting there like with the mouse kind of like boredly smoking a clove cigarette or something, talking to this underling. And she's like, now what do I do? Oh, I, and he's like, you just click that thing that says install. And she's like, yeah, like she just has no idea about anything that she's doing. She's completely clueless. But he's so condescending to her. She hangs up on him because he's like, you know, that little icon that says file. <laughs> fucking asshole. He's like, oh, that was rude. Uh and they, that they end up having a, a meeting place. And she tells, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin Towers, like, what's going on? He's all like, well, how do you know they're not going to fuck you over? She's like, well, they're dumb. They chose the meeting place. Or they let me choose the meeting place, for Christ's sake. And he's uh, like, all right. And so the bull is still around. But where's his gun? This was kind of confusing. They're like, are you packing? And he shows an empty holster. He's yeah. like, where is it? And then we show where it is. It's taped to the bottom of the table that's it's yeah it's all weird... it's like a it's like yeah. the godfather um except in okay. the top of a toilet so it's implied that when she set the meet and again this is a lot of the stuff that's kind of off screen but she set yeah. the meeting place so she probably told the bull okay i'm gonna tell them that we're meeting in conference room six on floor three get mm-hmm. down there tape a gun under this table and i'll make you know at the head of the table i'll make sure that i'm sitting it, there and yeah. then that's you know we saw the aftermath of that scene but not that what? scene what makes it a little confusing for me is this is how it's edited. It's like, is this taking place before or after? Where are we in the timeline here? Because it's kind of it just, gets a little funky with those choices sometimes, which is fine. It's a little just a little nonlinear sometimes. I'm like, where are we? In don't the show an empty holster with like a look of like, I got this. Like, it's confusing. It was confusing. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to, I'm not an idiot. I don't, I don't think I'm an idiot and I'm, it's confusing. Uh, but uh, it's taped to the bottom of the table. She comes to the listeners are like, you are an idiot. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you guys. You fucking dumb shits. Fuck you. If you think I'm an idiot and stick it up your ass. Um, so the they gun. go downstairs. 
stick anything up your ass. I don't care. Fuck tongue, off. They tongue, go downstairs. Sorry. Yeah, whatever you want. They go downstairs. I don't care. They go downstairs and the guns tape to the bottom of the table. And uh, how does this go tits up for the uh, the old British they, cunt? Because they didn't off camera. They found the gun and they like they grabbed it from her ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, you know, it's it's fun because you expect a scene to go one way, like how are they going to get out of this? But then they play with the audience expectation because we do see the gun taped underneath the desk when she's kind of explaining to her boss how this is all going to go down. And so we're expecting this confrontation. But then when she gets there, there's not even a scene of her like reaching for the gun. It's just like right when she sits down, he's like, oh, are you looking for this? <laughs> and, and that's the great line about, uh, you know, you can't trust anybody above a certain pay grade because they're all stupid if you want to you know get smart you have to go down to the the the, the peons essentially and that's and that's true if good will hunting has taught us anything the janitors are the smartest people in the building damn right son um but Always. no I, I there's also i want to go back to our it guy because there's a, a good little jag here where they're talking about this kind of uh you know us versus them mentality when Joe Lynch's character is kind of going off on a tangent to the, the, the boss lady. He's like, what do you expect? You know, I'm one guy working in the basement of this building with hundreds of people. I'm the only IT person. And yet I have to jump every time you say something. And yet whenever I place an order to like get more help or more people, it's always deny, deny, deny. And I can say from having worked in like, you know, big companies, that's the fucking case, man. Like, yeah. all the, the the backbone of the company of the technology and the people it's like that's the last thing that people really care about spending money on i felt like he was um do um speaking as a filmmaker like you guys want me to make films i need a fucking budget like <laughs> well and that's how i took it well and honestly this is something that we did talk about a bit and he also talks about on the the commentary of the the movie you know he got this script from matthias caruso when he was busy working at a corporate job, because as much as he's a filmmaker and was a filmmaker before this, he's still an indie filmmaker. So he has to make, he's got a family to feed and bills to pay. So he'll take these jobs that are in the film industry, but that don't mean, I'm kind of speaking for him, but just based on the impression that don't mean anything to him when he'd rather be out there, you know, kind of making movies. So this kind of struck a chord with uh with his entire like he read the script and like light bulbs went off he's like i have mm-hmm. to make this movie right yeah like, any, got any personal connection yeah. yeah that's why i have so much respect for for him compared to a, like a full-time career filmmaker who's like already made it like you know no no shade no not a lot of shade to pt anderson or whoever who can just get away with making a movie every seven years and that's their life Where, whereas joe lynch is like i gotta feed my fucking family and the mayhem's not gonna pay it's only gonna get me so fucking far and and i i have a passion here and that's why i have so much respect for him also as a as a working class filmmaker with a day job myself that's not even in the film industry but that's that's my own problem uh, (laughs) well but i mean it's also it speaks to this idea of every movie he makes and again i haven't seen all of them but what i have seen of him what i know of him it's all a swing for the fences thing it's Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna get it i might not get a chance to make another movie so if this is my last one this is gonna be the thing that could put me on the map or I might not never work again, but I'm going, this is going to be a Joe Lynch film. You're going to fucking know it. You You're not going to gonna confuse it. it with anything else, except maybe the Belko experiment. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love that. And that's, um, 
here's a story you you can take it as bullshit or not but past and hopefully future guest pat lewandowski has a great story about how his dad went to a bar in chicago and there was a guy who by the name of robert zemeckis was looking a little forlorn having a drink looking sad He's like, what do you, they got to talking. He's like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a filmmaker. I made one recently. And what was it? The, the car wash one uh, didn't do well. Or like used cars or something. Yeah. He's like, I did this movie. It's just, I, I might retire from the whole game. If, if this, if I, this one doesn't hit, I might just say, fuck it. He's like, what's the movie called? Back to the future. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the story like that I heard. And I, I love that story. So I'll repeat it here, but um that to your point that sort of mentality like this could be it i love i love that level of uh razor's edge stakes uh behind the scenes you know as opposed to like the jurassic world movies where it's like (sighs) another one who fucking cares (laughs) i watched it i shut the fuck up and watch your goddamn dinosaur movies you little bitches i watched it and said universal boy oh boy i'm really glad i did not i did not watch it i i i heard i watched right. i listened to your uh round interview on it and i was like oh good i'm so glad i didn't pay to go see this in the theater all right well, yeah public Check out ian's round table interview and all i'll say is that uh, i really like that locust movie that uh <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> love that locust movie <laughs> fucking hell oh. jesus h uh this movie better movie uh Derek and Melanie they took care of the reaper they took care of Kara they finally got um they manipulated the 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 British lady to come down they took care of her right um but and also the bull goes face to face against uh uh Derek in this sequence as well so while Samara Weaving is handling the British lady he's handling the the bull and uh I think he stabs the bull it was a screwdriver yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um oh yeah because that was a really cool fight because as they're tussling at one point Derek stabs the bull in the shoulder with the screwdriver yes. <laughs> and then they're kind of like fighting some more and you think it's all over for him because this guy's a giant and at one point Derek grabs a screwdriver from the shoulder and then injects it into the guy's temple Mm. I, I just like that. It's like, oh, here's a handy thing. I just like I put this weapon. <laughs> oh, this is still useful. Use. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like that this whole kind of movie, like once Derek and Melanie team up, you think they're both going to go up to the C-suite to the, to the ninth level or to, the, to, to talk to the nine. But she stays behind. It's all about Derek and what he needs to do. He lets he leaves her down the floor with the British lady, as you mentioned. But there's also a little bit of trickery, at least as far as the audience is concerned, because in order to pull off what they want to do, they have to make her believe. And by extension, us, that Derek is going to betray Melanie because he basically says or she says, I'll give you access to the ninth to the nine if you give me her because I'm, I've got a vendetta against her now. And he's like, sure. And he helps tie her up and she's screaming and like, you bastard, I knew you'd never change. And it's so hurtful because they just had this bond like a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, it turns out that he had loosened the screws or something like that. And then boss lady dies terribly off screen again. Yes. Once again, kind of giving us those reveals at different times. He, he, he We think that Stephen Yoon fucked her over. He kisses her. It was like, that's odd. And then she smiles a little bit and you're like, what's going on? And then we find out through just a moment later that there's a screw in her mouth 
you got put two and two together and i think they even show us briefly that's him unscrewing that just the way once again this movie's edited is uh is really stylish really cool and uh and just a couple times confusing for me (laughs) well what i liked is being able to go back and think about that boss lady's last moments alive because a lot of that is presented in slow motion sort of montage where mm-hmm. she sees Stu and Steve Ewan off into the elevator and he's got his fist clenched. And at the last moment as the doors are closing, he opens his fist to reveal the screws. And then I think we see that's with the montage of like him loosening and stuff, whatever. But then you see her be like, what? And then she turns around slowly and then you see Samara weaving, charging at her. Yeah. But then you realize in real time, that whole thing was like two seconds. She's like, yeah. what the, f- <laughs> oh, and then she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, just uh, good suspense. And uh, I know I'm rewinding here, but that those first 20 minutes when he's just talking to his coworkers, it, it, there's a lot of um, he speaks in a lot of cool metaphors. You'll notice that the script is kind of it's uh, it's snappy. It's uh, I think it's got a higher IQ than most scripts. Yes. Uh, dare I say. But uh, they uh, he finally makes his way up. And what what happens when he gets up there? He's covered in blood. He's got nothing but a wrench left in his tool belt. He's ready to kill Towers and Towers and his the nine. They're clapping for him. They have champagne ready. This is what's going on. They have a contract ready for him. That he throws across the table, he says, I noticed that you uh, you've been looking at us. You admire us. Don't you want this? Tries to tempt him, you know, get him on their side, you know. And uh, you think maybe Yoon's going to do it. And uh, how does this play out here? He, um, he basically, like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to take the job <coughs> from, like, somehow he gets into this position where he's, like, gets the board to decide to, like, kill him towers well there's there's a bit there's a bit before that because he basically says no they throw him everything they have the two like comely secretaries go like step up on either side they're like i'll suck your cock if you sign the contract and and she's the other one's like and i'll help um (laughs) and he's like he says no what what do they mean by that um what did that's, she mean when is she that said the third she was part gonna... that's confusing for you? Yeah. Um, can you guys explain what did what did she mean when she said she was going to help? Uh, I can backtrack a little bit. What did she mean when she said she was going to suck his cock? That's another thing. Well, I was gonna ask after early that. Early on, it was established that the only other thing more At important to Derek than his mug was a pet chicken. And she's like, oh. I'll, you know, to calm it down. And the other one was like, yeah, and I'll kind of stroke the feathers. That's what they mean by. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. You're welcome right. very much. All right. I'm here to help. But no, uh, so he basically throws the contract back across the desk and the boss is like, you know, fuck it. I'm, I'm done messing with you. You're just going <laughs> to let me die. just take a fistful of cocaine here. Just <laughs> right. throw it in my face. And it just reminded me of like, that's his super villain, like war paint. Like that's his super villain costume. It's just a face full of Coke and this giant golf club. And then Derek's got this giant, like not as nearly giant, but a wrench. He's like, mine's bigger than yours and always will be. <laughs> And they're like <laughs> dueling and Derek's getting his ass handed to him. Um, and at some point the tables turn and he gets the guy over, you know, basically shoves him through this glass door to the balcony leading down to, you know, it's still inside the building, but it's several mm-hmm. floors down. And then at that point, the board votes and they all get the, the thumb across the neck. And it's at this point where it really drives home for Derek, I think that, 
these people are all monsters and there's no way that he could work with them, but he's going to use them to his advantage, throws the guy overboard, basically comes back. And this is where we get like into the end. All it's all montage all the time and all voiceover because the body is constantly falling. We keep cutting back to it. It hasn't hit the ground yet. But he basically says Inception style. It's just like the fan, man. Just goddamn. <laughs> yeah, When's yeah. it gonna land? When's it gonna hit the water? Kick. Just exactly. kick already. Right. Yeah. But so Derek essentially says he's he signed the contract, and we as the audience, like, what that you're you're actually agreeing to become partner in this firm? What's wrong with you? And he's like, I signed the contract, and then I signed the piece of paperwork that would basically get Melanie's, you know, get her house back. Right. And then he says, as my first official act, I quit. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And then to backtrack just a little bit, you know, they tried to get um, uh, the British lady to like sign off on whatever thing that uh, Samara Weaving needed. And she's just like, you sure I can sign this, but it's not going to mean shit because right. as soon as this is over, we could just say, oh, we signed it under the, you know, temporary insanity. The, yeah, so it's right. not going to matter. So like that's when this came, when he did sign the contract, I was like, oh, this is the baller move that he's making where he's going to do this thing that makes it like nobody else above him can like deny this request. And that's when he quits. So I was like that. I thought was, a you know, well done, Ewan. Ewan. Yes. Not Ewan. Yeah, you uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and McGregor, he died in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's, oh, uh, then we would have been spared Obi-Wan. Anyway. Oh <laughs> shit. Um, I, I just watched Guys, episode one. That's it for me. It's yeah. it's worth it. Is it? Sorry, what? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> it's guys, it's as worth it as uh Moon Knight. And uh, as Miss Marvel is turning out to be, I can't um, tell right now if Jerry, no. I still can't because I know you like Moon Knight at the beginning. I did. We, we both did. We I both did. liked it at the beginning. Everything yeah. in everything in the MCU is starting great, and then just just goes down and down mm. as, for, as the further along it goes. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, if I might further plug my own show, uh, mm -hmm. did you watch the the two episodes I did of the Obi Wan Kenobi live stream? I listened. I don't, I don't, I'm not able to watch them, but uh, I listened to them and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, shit went down on Ian's show. Yeah, I was going to say. Did you guys it, fight? Well, I, I rage quit uh, at the end of oh. episode two. And so we're going to cover all six episodes. We, all, we only made it to the second one. <laughs> and I like to say that after, after the entire series was over, I was, I felt vindicated. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Back to Mayhem. Yeah. yeah. Or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Um, the end equally mayhem. Yeah, no, that's it. He, he signs off on the contract. Uh, Melanie's loan or whatever is extended or whatever she needs. She's she's got more time. He quits. He's um, painting again. They don't kill him for some reason, and uh, he because the time's up, baby. They can't kill him. They're not infected. Kill him now. It's going to be business as usual. They'll just press on. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, he's back to painting and 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 making faces to Samara weaving, flipping each studio. other off. Yeah. yeah, and she's so cute. Like I, I'm just so I love her in this movie. Have you have you ever dated someone who casually flipped you off, like across a room? Like it doesn't have to be painting. No, if you I if you look so. really carefully in my wedding video, I'm flipping Caitlin off uh, periodically throughout the whole Jesus. throughout all of my vows. Hey, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus. Will that hold up in court? Is like, I didn't mean it. No. Uh, (laughs) I remember, yeah, I thought it was weird. He was giving his vows and he kept scratching his eye. I wrote my own vows and I I built in these punctuations of of, of me just kind of flipping her off real suddenly. Oh, my goodness. Nobody Uh, nobody caught it. Nobody caught it. Well, they will now. They're going to approve the hell out of that. Yeah. Oh, if they can get a hold of your wedding video. There's, there is no wedding video. We didn't have a videographer. The uh, Sapruder wedding yeah. video. Oh, it's grainy as hell. It's the most. It's the oh, most disturbing yeah. looking wedding ever. <laughs> I want my wedding video to look like a Bigfoot sighting. You know, I just wanted to be super it's, zoomed in, super grainy. It's it's natural it's, light. It's shot from the pews, mm-hmm. like sideways facing. <laughs> the aisle so that way when Zoom. she walks down the aisle she just looks at the camera like bigfoot and then <laughs> or like the alien and signs did you guys hear they found a bigfoot skull no somewhere good for them they found a skull they're like this is primate it's definitely it's too big too big to be an ape guys it's gotta guys, be bigfoot gotta be bigfoot it's real <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. This is the guy who's trying to convince everybody Bigfoot's out there. Guys, Guys too Bigfoot's big. real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too big. No. no, not a gorilla. Not a gorilla. As reported in the thought weekly that, world. They are news. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bad boy's uh, but, real. But that's uh that is mayhem. Uh anything yeah. else to say about it before we we, yeah. we get out of here? Yeah, what do you guys think? Uh would you have preferred a little bayhem? No. What does that mean? Michael Bay? That Michael is, of Bay. course, that is, of course, his word for his brand of filmmaking <laughs> that is actually like out there. You little Bayhem. Oh, is it? No. Yep. I feel like that we got enough cocaine and, and rage. <laughs> and and two girls saying they'll suck a guy's cock. So, yeah, I guess we filled our quota. Yeah. Which I still don't know what that means. Oh, wait, the chicken thing. I remember. OK. Right, all right. Yeah. yeah right. That's all he I wanted explained to say. It. He explained it deeply. And also, um, you can check out that Patreon. Yeah. Oh yeah, that Patreon dollar a month 90 under ninety nine one dollar a month, and you can hear us talk about Camp Nowhere this month, as well as uh, at least one uh, since no one asked available this month. That's right, and it is um, it is um, oh, this is Dan's shit. Johnny Depp impression he's doing. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you saved me from this. Uh, <laughs> next time is... I trail off, just say I'm just gonna say I'm doing my Johnny Depp impression at the trial. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then, then everyone will uh-huh. laugh, and then you can walk uh-huh. away. And yeah, that's it. Be like he didn't, he didn't actually finish his thought. He <laughs> now the snow of this month is should I should I shave my balls or not? You decide. Since no one asked Hollywood, uh, should Dan shave his balls? Um, but you're yes, really, really taking this truck nuts thing a little too far, <laughs> guys. <laughs> seriously, should I shave my balls? Uh, so you can answer us at no. uh, by joining on Patreon.com/slash ninety under ninety. Ian, as mentioned earlier, can be found. At kicking the seat, which is at kickseat.com or youtube.com slash maybe I guess kicking the seat. And you can watch him talk about not Obi-Wan Kenobi um and not any superhero movies for the next uh one year, unless you want to hear it's like uh, 10 months or 11 yeah. months, yeah. So um and uh I'm I'm close to being there with you, Ian. I'm I'm kind of like wow. Well, I am. I do have a loophole. I am going to be hosting live streams about superhero movies. I'm just going to intro and outro them and let the panel talk. And then I'll catch up next year if I, in fact, decide to watch these pieces of shit. Well, uh, and hopefully they won't all be uh, as such. But uh, yeah, okay, yeah that's that fun. is going to be it for the, the, the rest of us. 
Uh, join us next week. But until then, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Ian Simmons. That's a wrap. What do you mean you're out of chocolate? How can that be?